knowing that I had this um, support around me to guide and catch and poke and prod and pull and push and do all of the things, but ultimately envelope and hold me through that evolution of what our business is going through back then and even today. Welcome in to the SheEO.World podcast. Today's episode is a quick update from a SheEO venture as they continue their work on the world's to-do list. Yeah, the OfficeWorks partnership has been remarkable. It's definitely one of the number one questions I get asked a lot, which is how did you get OfficeWorks? Um, and look, I suppose it comes down to values aligned um, partnership partnerships and you know I remember uh, when they first approached us to solve their problem for them or to at least explore solving the problem with them uh, it was never a for them thing it was always a with them and right from the start they said you know we don't want to dump our problems onto you we want to work collaboratively together so it really set the framework up about this trust transparent and very relational value exchange between our businesses and we had the time and the trust um, to be able to explore the opportunities. And in exploring those opportunities, that's when we learned that we could actually bring value to the business. We could divert, you know, 98% of products that would have otherwise ended up in landfill. And that then created jobs within our business. So it was a win-win for our social enterprise as well as the commercial opportunity for Officeworks and for us. Uh, and so for a number of years, we just evolved. And as they had other problems or challenges or opportunities come their way, we would be offered the opportunity to explore whether or not it would fit into our business model. And I suppose along the way we were um, navigating a whole bunch of experiments, you know, can we do this? Let's see. And, and again, values aligned. It was all often about exploring with trust and transparency and not necessarily having um, a box to try to fit the opportunities into. So um, I guess along the way, we did what we said we would do. We built trust. We honoured the relationship. We were an anonymity. Um, well, they were an anonymity client to start with, which means we didn't and couldn't talk about them. And then at a point in time when we could, we did. And we celebrated their uh, excellence and their innovation and their trust and guidance in um, allowing our business to, to take their product and effectively in a product stewardship mode to take the product and to do something with it that was better than what was happening. Um, and so we worked with their team at all levels, at store level, at leadership level, C-suite level, um, operational level. And, and again, we always did what we said we would do. Uh, so if we made a commitment, we followed through and that does build trust. And um, the biggest question we got asked towards the end of the three years, which is now the beginning of the next phase, was um, when can you be in Sydney and Melbourne? And of course, that to me planted the seed that we needed to raise capital. And so we started to build the deck and started to build out the business model, which was effectively working with retailers like Officeworks, which was a proven success. And as I started to build our pitch deck, obviously Officeworks and their and their family of brands, Kmart, Target, Bunnings, were what we what I had put into our deck to pitch. Um, but it never had it dawned on me that I could actually have Officeworks invest. So um, when they said, um, how are you coming to Melbourne and Sydney? And I said, well, we're raising capital. I'm just about to open a round. They said, well, can you send us your deck? 
we might be interested in investing. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it was so funny because it's right, obviously, in front of you. Of course, businesses like Officeworks invest, but I suppose I made an assumption um, unconsciously that maybe we were too soon for them, that we had more to prove before they would be ready. Um, and big mistake that was making that assumption because once I connected the dots and I said to them, sure, I'll send you my deck, but I should warn you, your brand is littered throughout the deck and I'm pitching to investors that we're scaling our partnership with an intention that West Farmers will eventually be um, within our suite of products. And they said, yeah, that's fine. Send us the deck anyway. So I sent the deck um, with some slight professional um, embarrassment um, and maybe not embarrassment, but maybe like, oh my gosh, I'm pitching to them what we will be. I hope they're aligned is probably what I thought. Um, but anyway, I sent it to them the same day and um, long story short, I pitched the C-suite over teams. Uh, there were maybe five or six people along with a couple of my board and uh, we pitched and, and they're pretty committed to invest. So in fact, not pretty committed. They were very committed to invest upfront, like right then and there, we knew that they would invest in our business. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for she or I wouldn't be a founder still, I suppose. Well, not in this business, maybe another, who knows? But I think I'm, I think I'm born and bred to be an entrepreneur, but um, I definitely wouldn't have made it this far without the investment initially from CEO that that venture loan uh, was pivotal. And still to this day, I talk about that day that I stood up on stage and announced in a room where I felt really safe that love is the next disruptor in business. And now I see love everywhere in business. And I just literally tweeted about Love Brisbane because they've got a Love Brisbane campaign. I love that love is now finding its way into our boardrooms. Um, and she made me feel safe that even when I sounded super crazy and very outlier and very different, that it was not so crazy and so different that, um, you know, there were hundreds of women in the room that day, thousands of women globally, tens of thousands, likely millions of us out there that believe in, in what we believe, that things can be done differently and we are doing them differently and that that is okay and you don't need to fit into the societal norms or the, or the archaic business models that have been built in the past. We can and do and have and will continue to build our own business models and have that support from CEOs. So, I suppose I felt safe. Um, I felt at home and I felt like as a founder, I had a space and a place where I could be me authentically, vulnerably, or, you know, all in real, real, not show real. And I could therefore spend less time trying to fit into something that didn't fit me and more time actually scaling a business that was still going to be hard to scale and hard to design and hard to execute on but knowing that I had this um, support around me to guide and catch and poke and prod and pull and push and do all of the things but ultimately envelope and hold me through that evolution of what our business is going through back then and even today to this day so you know Monica Bradley's actually our board chair and she you know has created where we are today in terms of her support her initiative her capabilities you know um I would absolutely say that um you know she from the moment that I was announced as a venture through to today 
every, every single moment that has mattered has had some sort of interlaced support from someone in the Shio community, whether it's, you know, we have a two investors who invested really early back when COVID smashed and decimated our business model, and they still invested in Christine and Marianne, and they are, you know, women here locally um, in Southeast Queensland who just unconditionally supported that first round back when it was just, you know, who knew what was going to happen with COVID, uh, and they've never faltered and also came into this round, which is wonderful. Um, and of course, as I said, with Monica on our board, and I have another CEO activator on our board in Angela Ryan. I mean, it's so wonderful to have women who um, hold their own and who are strong. And again, who support the real, real of business. And um, they challenge me. They still, you know, absolutely um, ask the hard questions, but um I'm, I'm in a space where I can continue to have those strong, authentic human values driving the design of the business in the future. And even with a big giant retailer like Officeworks investing, the business uh, values and ethos is, is strong in the foundations because we've had so much guidance um, from amazing leaders who just hold their own. And CEO is filled with founders, co-founders, leaders, mentors, and even just, you know, side-by-side -side women who invest their money knowing that they won't necessarily get money back for it. I mean, as an activator, you don't, but what you get is the satisfaction. And I'm an activator myself and became an activator long before becoming a venture. I get joy when that comes out of my credit card every month knowing that that money is making a difference to someone just like me, better than me, someone going on their own journey. And, you know, that's the greatest gift that we can give is to enable someone else who believes that they have something that can make a difference. If I actually tell you a little story about, you know, a time four years ago, I just started the business in 2017 officially. And in 2018, I was in a strategy session, ironically with Monica Bradley at the time. And I said to her that day, oh, because garage sale is not big enough. Like we're bigger than that. The, the vision I have is bigger than the garage sale. And everyone thinks, because I walk around with the garage sale on my shirt and it's I'm absolutely the brand. Um, I live it, love it, breathe it. You know, everything in my life is red. Um, it's, it's not it doesn't clutch me and I don't um, value myself based on the business. So whilst I'm the founder and absolutely committed to the business growth, past, present, future, it's, it's not just me that needs to do what's next. And that day I met with Monica and created a new brand called Circonomy long before circular economy was as popular as it is today or as noted and known as it is today. I knew that blending circular and economy together into a word called Circonomy, which I love doing, I love a blend of a word. Um, I knew it was too early to do anything with Soconomy back then, but certainly as part of this capital raise, we went front and centre and, and literally my first slide said, when the world's biggest is not big enough, you know, Soconomy was the next. As, and so that's the next evolution for us is Soconomy. It'll sit around the boardroom table and be able to influence and create change and continue to deliver on circular economy solutions 
uh, more palatable than World's Biggest Garage Sale and World's Biggest Garage Sale won't die. And certainly the brand itself is very iconic in this circular economy space. But we are bigger than the world's biggest garage sales. So we have to grow and evolve and change and and a new name and brand, a change is, is living and breathing the very values that we have at our foundation. You know, change is constant uh, and change is inevitable. And I I've always said that, we all have superpowers and, you know, I have superpowers. I also have super weaknesses, but I have superpowers. And in one of my superpowers that I acknowledge is that I am excellent at transition. And what that means is I can move and change very quickly with the change of circumstances or the change around me. So as we've raised capital, the business is evolving at a rate that it needs to evolve in order to continue to be a leader in circular economy, but also an innovator and a constant change maker. And to do that, I need to change. My team needs to change. The business is changing. And being okay with change, having that capability to transition between different movements and different moments is a real um, gift. And I am so grateful that in my heart and mind that change and transition is something I'm extremely comfortable with because it is absolutely something that is is going to be a constant in any business that needs to be a sustainable uh, business that can can last the, a lifetime and multiple lifetimes. So for, for what's next, so much is next. And the best thing is for me is one of the things I disliked immensely about being a founder, and I still to this day dislike immensely. And I'll talk about the real real, not just the show real, is I hate being the chief everything officer. I detest it. I loathe it. Being the person that has to know and do everything is a shit show. It is awful. You, 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 you just don't want or need that in a company. And so for me, that is the most exciting change is I don't need to know everything. I don't need to be the person with all the answers and I don't want to be. And I love and am so excited that one of the biggest changes is that we have a team of people to enable, to trust, who will make their own mistakes and decisions, just like I have and, uh, and did and done for the last five years of our business. For the next five years, it's not about me. It's so much more about we. And I get to stand side by side, a bigger team with bolder ambition than I could ever have alone and build what will continue to be a circular economy, social enterprise that can be globally scalable well beyond me and my capability. Thank you for listening to the CEO.world podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. We invite you to join a global community of radically generous women and non-binary folks at CEO.world.